Okay, welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. Hello, hello, and I am Mark, and I am the founder and CEO of Blockhead. And this is Tim, managing editor at Blockhead. Yeah, which has a new haircut and freshly shaved. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's see how long this lasts. (laughs) I had a part-time cleaner. She came on Monday, so I took the chance to shave before that. Wait, she helped you shave? No lah, the hair goes everywhere. (laughs) I was like, wow, part-time cleaner all-inclusive these days. uh. Everything (laughs) must fall kaliao. She comes once a week, so I can only shave once a week. And last week was Chinese New Year, so you know that's why my 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 facial hair went out of control for a while. Ah, okay, okay. So so the idea here is because she comes, that's so why you shave, and then she will clean up the the hair in that sense. <laughs> is that the idea? Yeah. The hair goes everywhere. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so hard man. to get off the sink and mirror. Okay, never mind. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But yeah, we will do this in person soon. One day we'll do live, and then you can actually see like the face, and you will know what we are saying. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and yeah, I think the week has been uh, quite an interesting one. There's a new, some new developments here and there. And um, yeah, we continue to see numbers pretty strong. Uh, has your faith been restored in the space? <laughs> Actually, we've been receiving pretty good traction on the website and readership numbers have been growing. So I guess that's a good sign. People are also looking up and wondering what to do. Well, as of last month, put it this way, I'm, I'm, um, we, we reach about half a million page views. It's pretty good. Nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Is that like a random flex? Yes, it is. No, it's not random. Uh, it's intentional. It's intentional flex. No, right? it's, yeah, a so it's a milestone. It's a milestone. It's a milestone. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so PG. So PG, yeah? But yes, I think uh, sponsors, you must look out for this, okay? So yeah, we have, once again, uh, three interesting stories for all of you. And I'm going to roll with the first story, right? Very important story, yeah? This one, to me, I was like, wow, so fun. This thing's so cute. Right, and the first story goes, right? Newest Web3 social media, Bondi. It's actually an NFT back So the NFT move has backfired, right? And prompting removal from privacy policy. For all of you that didn't know, Bondi is a Singapore-based, uh, latest social media kind of craze, right? which actually even I downloaded it. <laughs> but what happened is it was actually accused of a credit card fraud and so far being slandered for some undercover NFT project. And uh, Bondi has taken a hit la, from its user base. But actually from a user, when I downloaded it, I just thought it was damn cute. La. Right, so the UI was amazing. It was very interesting. Like the, the user interface and the interaction was quite smooth. Right, so I was actually very shocked when I saw all these coverage that, oh, actually there's some privacy thing at the back. It got NFT, got credit card leak. It's like, what the hell is going on? I never even input my credit card. <laughs> I mean, they had to update their privacy policy to remove the mention of NFTs. Uh. It wasn't clear what, what, what that integration was, but some eagle-eyed users f- found these mentions, um, you know, in the documentation. Okay, I, yeah, I think before we get to that point, right, like, have you guys spent any time on Bondi? I have, I have. Not me, yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean, I, I find it, I mean, just, just, I guess just for the benefit of the people who are listening who have not downloaded the app, right? It's actually pretty fun. It is. It is. I can yeah, hammer your yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, it's like, it, it, it brings me back to the days of like The Sims, um, if you yes. guys played that. Right? Yes, I, I did. And I did. Now, now you now you have it in your app, right? Like you know where you where you essentially have like you can you know recreate your own space, your own room, and then your avatar, and then you can do like weird shit with it, uh, yeah, with yeah. your friends, uh. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can we can sit on a swing together, guys. Yeah. Well, what is it like compared to metaverse platforms like Decentraland or Sandbox? I I, I think 
the, the thing that really came to my mind here, right, was that Electronic Arts, right, they had all that great IP with The Sims, right? I have no idea why they didn't kind of like capitalize on this metaverse thing because I felt that that particular game or that particular IP would have been perfect for it given the fact that, you know, you've got millions of like legacy kind of like viewer players already, you know? So so this just kind of like, I mean, Bondi just essentially reminded me of um, what, what I used to do with Sims, right? But now it's an app version. With regards to Tim's, I guess, question on how does this compare to the other like, you know, like metaverse platforms. I think that, you know, first of all, there's the social element in Bondi. Uh, it, it's there. Like, you know, like you see people interacting on it, right? And on top of that, like it, it's getting a lot of traction. So like every other person of a certain age group, I mean, I would say like under 30 that I meet, like, you know, they've heard of Bondi or they've downloaded it at least over the past couple of weeks. Hey, you're not under 30. No, and oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. We borderline, borderline. We squeeze ourselves <laughs> in, okay? But but the idea here yeah. is you can chat with your friends. You know, you can uh, share share your pictures. You know, it's like it's like WhatsApp meets Instagram, you know, uh, kind of situation. But the whole thing is a lot smoother rather than going into a separate tab, you know, like a mm. DM kind of thing. Like, like it's, it's just like we are chatting. And then... So it's a 3D I, version of, of WhatsApp. Correct. So I, I think that like it has a, a Web3 metaverse vibe, right? Where like, you know, like, you know, they've kind of created a virtual world for you to kind of, you know, interact with your friends in. But I'm not sure which part of it is actually Web3. You know, I mean, yeah. this is a great... Uh, social media app to me at least what has uh, unfolded so far right I mean I think that it's fun it's seamless and at the same time also you know I mean I guess the, the graphics and then like you know like uh, the things that you can do with your avatar and how you can kind of create it right like it, it, there's a lot of like it's lo-fi enough that it, it, it can attract like you know like a mass a mass audience though. but at the same yeah. time it takes social media to a space that you know it feels a bit uncharted yeah. Yeah, so, that's why. So so the app's publisher Meta Dream basically they set the the groundwork for future web3 implementation. Uh, I mean it, it looks like that's the direction, but then it had to make a U-turn. I mean web, it, like web web2 users are just not ready to engage with web3 tech. Uh, even though they like all these elements, you know, that I mean sh- really? shown by its popularity. Wait, I really don't know if that is a fair statement in a sense that when, when I use it, right, I, I had no thought process around like, oh, this is a web three thing. Like like what Mark said, right? It's just a more ingenious social media kind of interaction where you put together all the most interesting elements out there and then you can have your own room, you can, you know, dress up your avatar and all that. Like, which is why when I saw the news coverage, I was like, eh, why is there like a web three element like where is the web 3 element coming from or maybe not i mean not uh, not yet la, but they have the provisions and in, in its you know privacy statements and all that kind of stuff for such future integration yeah i guess the the like the reason why like you know this has become news uh, also i mean despite the fact that you know it is a new social media app that people are using is you know they, they faced um a lot of backlash when the fans or their, or their users found out that you know they were planning to launch an nft right or, or there was supposed to be some sort of nft element to the product and what was really interesting i guess the interesting point to me here right was that if we backpedal like say a year ago any brand out there if let's say you had a web3 or like a metaverse element or like if you launch an nft right it was great marketing like that that would immediately make your brand like cool and like it would immediately kind of like you know like give it that pr value that um was really trending at that point in time and then you know fast forward a year now a year later and here we are now you mentioned that there's an nft element to your brand and then you get backlash you know so i think that like i mean obviously this is a huge it's a big it's quite a generalization but i think that we are in a space where like there is some negative connotations um, to the Web3 aspects, you know, of the branding, uh, especially if let's say the community that is currently using your product, it doesn't come from that community. It doesn't come from the Web3 world. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, mm. like, the, the, the gaming community has had these issues for a while. Yeah, gaming community has had these issues for a while, exactly. You know, so as much a culture thing, you know, uh, as, as it is, like, you know, a, a result of what happened with, like, you know, the crypto crash and FTX and all the scams, right? I just think that the Web3 world hasn't really integrated itself very well. So, like, you know, uh, there's still a lot of unfam- unfamiliarity and, like, you know, like, I would say people don't trust it. La. I mean, it doesn't help that a lot of Web3 projects are essentially just... Web 2, but with a new way to fleece their user base. So, so I guess, you know, like we can start from the question here, right? Like, why does Bondi need to be a Web 3 product? You know, and, wait, and, and wait, it wait, comes wait, down wait, to the wait, question wait, of like, you can, know. Can, can, I, can I push a little bit further on like, what is, what is the difference between Web 2 and Web 3 to begin with in that sense? Okay, I, I, I was going to get yeah. to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. Go yeah. for it. So you know, at, at the core of it, right, a Web three, uh, I would say, project, right, it's about owning your IP, owning your identity online, so that there is that element of ownership and privacy in this situation, right? When translated to an app like Bondi, like what that could essentially play out to be is that, like, look, if I buy an NFT or like you know, like you know, my my avatar is essentially like you know, like an NFT, right? I own the rights, the, like the copyright, the intellectual property rights to my avatar on that platform. Mm. Okay, and then by extension, like, you know, if if um, Bondi decides to monetize or they commercialize a certain way by getting ad revenue, one potential outcome here is that like, I could potentially earn revenue, you know, from my IP that I own through my NFT, right? So this is one aspect of it, right? And then I ask myself the question, right? Do people really want to own, kind of own the IPs to their avatars? I don't think they do, you know. I don't think they care. <laughs> yeah, I don't right? think like, it's, the, it's the point is that important. like... <laughs> Right, like I, if I download a, like a social media app and then like, you know, like be it Instagram, Facebook or, you know, Twitter or whatever, right? I'm completely fine with the idea that like, you know, like I'm given the license to use my account and create an account, but I don't own that account completely. I don't own it outright. And and that's just the way like the culture has been for social media and I don't see it changing anytime soon. This, this, this is my, my, my take on it. La. Yeah. And given the fact that, you know, this company, I mean, it doesn't feel like it makes sense for them to decentralize completely and then cede power completely to the users, like in my opinion. So, so yeah, that comes yeah. back to the question of like, you know, does an app like this actually need to have a Web3 or NFT element? I'm not sure. You know, I, I mean, in my opinion, mm. I can't I can't see the value for the audience aside from like the fact that, you know, it allows the business to raise money quickly. Fair, fair. Interesting, interesting. But I do understand what you're saying that some apps are just great at what it is, but does it really need like this whole Web3 NFT kind of like, you know, yeah. uh, fundraiser strategy. Mm. That one, I'm, I'm not too sure. But hey, you but, know. By the way, the answer is not no, you know. I mean, like, you know, there could be like a, some value here. I think depending on how they want to kind of, they plan to roll this out. If really, if they're, if the intention is really to kind of launch an NFT project, right? I mean, we need, we'll need to see the details, uh, you know. Uh, but mm. I mean, just on the service of it, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what the use case is going to be like, right? So yeah, if, you, yeah. if you think about certain live streaming apps that have kind of done done, done things that are similar, right? So previously, you know, like when, when Beagle Live was uh, was a thing and you could kind oh of like God, buy, Life. you know, wow. yeah, <laughs> Very like previously, buy virtual yeah. gifts, you know, for your, for your friends, you know, or for like some girl that you like or some live streamer that you like, you know, you could tip them, etc. All this can be done in Web2. I mean, like the result is the same, right? Like you, you, you buy like a digital flower or present and then you send it to somebody and then you pay, you <laughs> You pay using a credit card, and then like you know that service provider, the service provider gets a cut. I mean, it, it's a workable, it's a working business model. So I'm, I'm not sure why you, you know, like that needs to be decentralized. Fair, I agree. Yeah. You know, but I just want to caution our audience: please don't buy digital flower for your like partner this Valentine's. <laughs> you might need to download another app to like start finding a new partner. Okay, but yeah, all, all that being said, I think Bondi is, is <laughs> Bondi is great. Like as a user, I was like, it is quite fun. I mean, it's not that I go in it a is fun. lot. It is fun. I don't yeah. go in a lot because not everyone is there yet. 
yet. Like most most of people are still on like IG, on like, you know, like WhatsApp and all that, right? But hey, if you know, uh, check it out, check it out. I think I think there's some ideas that you can pick up of, you know, pick out of from uh, from this new app. Bonti, nice. Cool. So this brings us to the next story. Okay, next story coming up. I, I'm sure that there are some Dungeons & Dragons fans uh, in the audience here. Uh, not me, um, la, but Especially yes. like Leo Leo. Not you? <laughs> not me, I'm not, I'm not. But yes, please go for it. So Dungeons & Dragons, right, as we all know, has been, you know, it's a legacy role-playing game with years and years and years and years of history, right? So they reversed a 23-year-old license that allowed creators to use D&D content for their own content, such as books, graphics, and, you know, novels and podcasts without paying royalties, right? So for example, um, if I was, you know, like if I hosted a, a D&D podcast, I could have a D&D themed podcast, right? Without paying royalties back to Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the oh. Coast are the, are the publishers of D&D, right? And they're, they're a subsidiary of Hasbro. So they've, mm. they've kind of, they've kind of um, uh, essentially reversed this license. And they've also at one point reiterated that NFT related creations, right, would not be permitted. Ah. So then a week later, they said that they came out to say that that 23-year-old, you know, gaming license that allowed people to create content from D&D IP without paying royalties would, would remain untouched, right? That means like, you know, like they kind of backtracked on their original decision to kind of like reverse um, that ruling, right? Mm-hmm. However, they said that for people looking to kind of like launch NFT projects using D&D licenses, this would not be permitted or rather I think that they would need to kind of like be paying a royalty. No. No? No, no, no. That's why it's not, so you, we got to, we got to stop on that. Basically, like a week ago, you know, they said that they're going to update its license structure and now they will require royalties, including for the use of NFTs. A week later, they said they will just stick to their old one. So NFTs are not touched. Okay. So that's why it's a win for NFTs because NFT community is dependent on, you know, the user base for content. But, you know, N- NFTs is just a minor issue in this story. I mean, it's not the, the main form of content creation in the D&D world. But, you know, uh, Wizards uh, revised rules were still a blow for the Web3 community. So it's U-turn is, is quite a significant decision. Mm. Not as significant as if we U-turn GST increase. La. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. That's a different story. But I think the idea here is that if you think about it for Dungeons and Dragons or for uh, Wizards of the Coast, right? Uh, which is a subsidiary of Hasbro. So maybe it's a Hasbro thing, not, not the Wizards of the Coast thing. For them to even think about this, right? To entertain this idea that, okay, let's, let us roll back this open gaming license, right? Let us take this back. It's very suggestive of like the value of the IP and also very suggestive of how big capital then look at some of these like very established IP, like what, like what Mark said in the opening, right? Like Sims, you know, or some of these other IPs. Uh, because of how crypto has developed and how Web3 has developed, then it becomes like, eh? It's no longer just a very simple licensing model anymore, right? There are many other things that we can play around with such that it becomes a viable thing to like, hey, let's take it back lah, from the community. You know, it's no longer open. It also, I think that like, uh, I mean, just building from that, right? If you think about Dungeons and Dragons as a, you know, as, as a piece of IP property and how, and how like um, it has achieve that type of longevity that few other that few other games have had right is that if you think about how people you know essentially interact or play D&D you know these game masters have what is required here is that like good good you know, dungeon masters or game masters, and that's the correct term, right? Yeah, yeah. Although I know, I know it goes, it goes to, uh, it lets the imagination run very well, uh, dungeon masters. But yes, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so they they essentially have to create create their own worlds, right? Using like you know the the D and D 
uh, tool set uh, and, and set of rules, right? I mean, depending on which, which edition is being, is being used for the game. And I mean, there's certain perimeters here, right? So there's certain, you know, like regions or worlds in the game that like, you know, like you, you can use as a template. But once that is in place, everything else is really just up to the community to interpret, right? So the essence of this game requires the community to take ownership of their own IP to begin with. Mm. So I, I, I think if we, if we think about it from that point of view, right, this decision to actually now allow or rather like, you know, like to, to reverse the ban on like NFTs based off D&D content, right, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, the only reason why this game has enjoyed such longevity uh, is down to its user base and community and, um, you know, and its growth in recent years uh, due to like, you know, the, the rise in D&D podcasts, YouTube <laughs> campaigns. Sorry? Like, you know, the first time I know about D&D was because of Stranger Things. That's it. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, 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 that kind of sparked a revival for sure. Um, but but it, it's down to the community. And if the community is not behind or you know, the publisher's moves, they will just leave en masse, which looked to be, you know, where it was going uh, when, it had, when it released the plans to abandon the open, games, uh, open game license. But this U-turn is definitely a win for the community of D&D uh, players, but also for NFTs in general. It's a reinforcement of their wider structure and for NFT D&D creators as well. Yeah, a very good analogy for this is that I think this is, you know, one of the first uh, shining examples of like you know like how user generated content can work right yeah and so if you imagine like a social media platform or even a forum right like say like hardware zone where like you know like content is just user generated right and then hardware zone comes up to say okay look we're going to require licenses for like content creation now mm. you know it, that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever so i would actually use an, an, an analogy like this where like if you have like a platform or like a community where everything is just literally user generated right and then you want to add like you know more friction on top of that with either like a royalty payment or some sort of license right i mean it just completely screws the whole thing yeah no but that's a that's a very wet free thing right like everybody owns yeah. something, you set up a structure, you know, and um, there are a lot of independent owners in this space, you know, but then mm. the structure owner tries to scalp something at the top, right? Whether it is some sort of fees, mm. gas fees or, or or whatever, right? And then, and I think that's the, that's the interesting part of this, right? How something that is like really, really old, you know, uh, it has already established some sort of an offline structure that's similar to what a lot of Web3 guys want to do, you know, and then, and then now, how, how is this thing going to integrate back into to the new world, into the NFT space, into the crypto space? I think that it's like, oh, right, it's quite a it's quite an interesting idea, you know, especially for newer creators or even very established brands as they, as more and more brands, I'm quite sure, will try to monetize in a different way, similar to how some of these other guys are doing. I mean, I, I don't know enough of like, to be very honest, I don't know enough of like Hasbro's business model or like with Wizards of the Coast, right? Hasbro's I mean, I, the I know that biggest, one of the biggest, yeah. if not the biggest I mean, sorry, game. Wizards of the Coast with yeah, regards yeah. to kind of like D&D specifically. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I, I mean, obviously when they issue their own IP and then, you know, like that, that, that's the most direct way where they kind of like, you know, like make money from it. But in my opinion, everything else that comes on top of it, like it's probably just marketing for the ecosystem. Yeah, fair. Which is which is very I mean, web three, which is not very even NFT. charging yeah, if you're not even charging royalties, right, for like writing, for producing novels and books using like, you know, like D and D IP, then where else is the money coming from? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> but but I, I I don't know. Maybe it's it's also because they wanted twenty to twenty five percent. That's also I mean, it's, wow. it's quite a that's pretty unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty it's unreasonable. Quite <laughs> that's quite a chunk. Yeah, <laughs> they never study public policy. Must slowly increase on. Cannot come in so quick. Huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> you will lose the population. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think I think these are very interesting ideas that we will continue to see play out in community-led projects and you know some of these big brands um, as they try to enter into into the crypto and NFT space. Yeah, that's it for D and D. You know, shout out to all you that play D and D. I don't lie, I don't right. Like I said, it's only a Stranger Things things to me. Huh? so yeah, let's go to the last story. Tim, bring us through. So this is a kind of a continuation from our discussion last week. You know, we talked about DAOs, right? The future of DAOs, uh, you know, the state of that, where is it going? There hasn't been much talk about the space, you know, amid crypto winter. But um, I, I think just this week there has been. Quite a big uh, development, at least in the space of R&D, uh, in that a big pharma, specifically Pfizer, has uh, joined a $4.1 million funding round that is led by a DAO, so Vita DAO. Uh, they are a decentralized autonomous organization focused on funding longevity research. And Pfizer's ventures arm is among the investors in this DAO. So, you know, what this means is that Pfizer will get to, uh, along with the other DAO, how members decide on how research funds will be used, the projects that they will back, and, and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, Big Pharma joining the crypto uh, community. Um, we talked about, you know, like one of the clear use cases of a DAO is like, you know, how to distribute or as a way to determine how to distribute or allocate um, a pool of funds that, that, that users put in. I think this development, which also saw like, you know, Balaji Srinivasan, quite a well-known investor in the space. He's a former CTO of Coinbase and a general partner at A16Z and a few other big names from the biosciences community and, 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 and VC crowd participating in a in a DAO uh, yeah uh, shows that you know these uh, big players still see some value or at least don't mind experimenting with, with such structures in, in terms of distributing funds uh. Pfizer also said that it will uh, participate in, in terms of evaluating deal flow, incubation, commercialization of projects and things like that but yeah I don't know what, what are your thoughts Mark? I'm just very curious as to how that deal actually happened because this is actually, in my opinion, it is a big deal. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have the best choice of words. Uh, like big deal, big deal. Yeah, anyway. I realize. Yeah, yeah. I've come to realize <laughs> that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, it honestly is a big deal that like, you know, like Pfizer's Ventures Arm uh, have decided to kind of invest in a DAO you know, or, or, or participate in this, right? So I, I'm just very curious as to how that deal actually happened. And as it is already, uh, you know, you have Vita Dow, right? So like before Pfizer actually came on board, how did the community come together? Uh, obviously, like the key members in the community probably, you know, like formulated a pitch or something like that. Someone knew someone from Pfizer, you know, and, and I, I really, I'm very curious as to how those conversations went, right? How, how did that pitch meeting go? Like, you know, because I mean, even if it's a DAO, like they would have to have to approach it in a similar way that they were approaching, say like, you know, like a VC, right? Mm. Right. I, I think that was probably what had happened in the early stages. Uh. And looking at how like Pfizer's participation will include these certain areas, right? I wonder whether there are any other requirements or terms in there, you know, that enabled them to make an investment like this. Okay, so maybe I'll explain to you how, like, at least from what I understand, how VitaDAO works. So so they basically are a collective for community-governed and decentralized drug development. 
That's what they are. So basically, they collectively fund and digitize research in the form of IP NFTs. And then they spin out new biotech companies based on that. The, the DAO monetizes the IP it generates uh, through research and then returns the proceeds to the DAO to go on to finance more research. And specifically mm. for, for Vita DAO, it's, uh, well, they say they, they, they just want to focus on moonshots. Uh, relating to longevity research. I mean, I, I, I have thoughts of longevity research also. Yeah, but anyway, let, let, thousands of years of moonshot, la, just saying. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, so the question then here is... But your, your point of, about longevity, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a, quite a long history of interest among uh, billionaires. Did, did you guys read the one on Bloomberg? But like, there's this billionaire who's like, you know, like essentially uh, investing like millions of dollars to try and like, you know, turn back the clock. I think that he's yes. looking to get a new liver or spleen or some shit like yeah, that. So, like, so yeah, that guy wants to live longer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, long yeah. history on like billionaires and now, as you know, crypto billionaires or millionaires, basically rich people are rich folk interested in longevity or and funding longevity research. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this includes like Vitalik Buterin as well, uh, Justin Sun, Brian Armstrong. Uh, yeah, Vitalik needs a lot of help of- with longevity. Uh. His whole face looks like he needs a lot of help. He looks very <laughs> like malnourished. I mean, I'm when sorry. you amass when you amass wealth, you need time to spend it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, yeah. fair. Guy looks them overworked, but anyway, yes. There's a long history between like, you know, rich people and now crypto mm. and, you know, yeah. yeah so so the, 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 the thing that I'm very curious or like, you know, like goes back to my first question, like, like how did that pitch meeting go and why does Pfizer see value in a DAO? No, okay. So I mean, to me, that, I, to me, that is not the, the crux of the situation, right? Like, like I get, I get why you're curious. Like, like it's something like, oh yeah, yeah. why would, why would they join and all that, right? But to me, it's mm. a, there's two train of thoughts that's interesting, right? One is Pfizer joining the DAO uh, also subjects itself to other bigger players joining the DAO and then pivoting the research into a different way, right? That means, although now they may be the biggest juicer, right? They may be the biggest guy in the game, right? And uh, that's why people are talking about it, right? right? So they're they one of the bigger players in the game. They can direct it because it is a DAO, right? That's the whole idea of it, where if you're the biggest boy and you can amass enough people, then you get to direct mm-hmm. the direction of this thing, right? So so that is that is an interesting part, right? Because it also subjects itself to a other players or other people coming because this is an open in the space, in, in the idea of a DAO, if there are bigger players that come in that they can direct the thing differently, Right, so this is the first thing that I find very interesting. So, like, oh wow, okay, these big companies are willing to play around in this way, right? And the other is the possibility of research them moving down a different path. How is it really beneficial for research, right? Because research is like a moonshot, now, Like like you guys have already established, right? So it's a moonshot ideas. And uh, when biopharma companies go for listing, right, they desperately need the money. Uh. they're not like tech companies. <laughs> they are listing to try to like grow the business. Like biopharma companies, when they list, they literally need the money to research. Like if they don't have, they're gonna close shop immediately, right? So with with all these complexity then being built into the DAO and the research, right? Then it makes me question like, oh, okay, um, is it really gonna work over a long period of time, right? Because of all these all this possibility of shifting back and forth, changing different research, having the power structure keep shifting because because it is a DAO. You know, you, you know what I'm saying, yeah. guys? No, exactly. So because it's a DAO and because, you know, we, we're, they're essentially working in an area which is highly complex. And I'm not, even talk- I'm not even talking about the science, you know. Wouldn't it make more sense to have 
decision making like you know really centralized like you could say that yes you know because the, the biggest investors in the DAO have the most say right but it is still like kind of like you know a group of them it's not a corporation making the the decisions like, and then that uh, you you would think that wouldn't that be more efficient that way I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. then in, I mean in it's the just end, interesting that that they are you know exploring new avenues on, on drug it development is. Like, it is yeah. definitely like interesting. this technology I mean DAOs and like I, IP NFTs and all that. I, I guess people like Pfizer also see that, you know, if they if they don't have a, at least a, a finger in that pie, it might overtake them in, in, in the future because it offers a much faster route to uh, raising funds and, and getting projects on the table, uh, which, you know, typically takes a very long time in traditional, with, within traditional structures. Yeah, yeah. And for clarity's sake, I think for all you tuning in, you need to realize that uh, in the pharma space, research is very complicated. In the early days, a lot of uh, pharma companies will come together to research together, right? So they research the active component or the thing that works, the active ingredient. Um, That is the part where they come together. After they are done with their research, that means it's proven to work, right? A plus B gets you C or something. So after this is proven, they usually split it up into different utilization based on where they come from. Like, you know, Pfizer is very famous for vaccines. So they will take the active component to go back to their supply chain and figure, okay, how can I use this active component for a commercial product that I can sell, right? So in other words, the NFT licensing structure is quite interesting because it essentially elevates the front part, which is the part where everybody in the first place already comes together to try to mitigate their risk to find the active component. And then after that, they can license this uh, Mm. NFT IP Mm. from this DAO Mm. to then commercial in their own way, right? Some people, they Mm. famous Mm. for like curing cancer. Some people, they focus on like vaccines. Some people do like malaria, you know? So so it is a very interesting uh, IP development uh, back mm. end for for pharma, mm. it is very complicated. It's not as simple as just uh, building a supply chain. Yeah, I I, I think it's actually very exciting, like, in my opinion. It is, it is interesting. You know, I mean, if you if you are able to cast a net wide enough and then uh, have access to all this all these potentially you know like game changing IPs, right? And then as far and then as Pfizer, you, in this DAO, you get first dibs. Uh. You get first dibs. Yeah, so you I mean, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. because in the past the funding method will be they go to the university, they get some sort of a preliminary funding, and then they get enough proof of concept to then list and get the next round of funding. Right, mm-hmm. so it is a very, um, very slow and uh, tedious manner. Maybe this is the new way. Mm. I mean, it's just another um, example of utility of Web three tech uh, which goes beyond NFT profile pictures. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> <laughs> I must repeat. Uh, there was a period of time someone say, Finally. "Oh yeah, you know this NFT yeah. thing, right? It, it can be used uh, to be a fractional ownership indicator." I was like, "Brother, I think that's how it started before it became a JPEG file." Okay, <laughs> so like this whole JPEG shit came way after when people are trying to monetize it. No, I'm just gonna say that you know we started off this podcast with like an example of like social media app. Like we could no real no real use case for like Web three and then you know to ending it off with like you know hey man this this could actually be uh, a space for the Web three tech you know could could be very relevant and useful yeah yeah it yeah. is yeah. a DAO interesting interesting yeah we need a DAO we need our own DAO and we need a Reddit page anyway the the team <laughs> is on the Reddit already so we will see you on the Reddit soon yeah let's uh let's take it from there cool um. In closing, any last things anybody want to add for today's episode? I think quite interesting, eh? Uh, no, not, not for me. I mean, like, you know, uh, I think there's about, what, seven more days to Chinese New Year. So, you know, whoever else is celebrating, you know, uh, enjoy while it lasts. <laughs> Wait, do you all celebrate Chinese New Year all the way 15 days? 
No, not really. I don't. But then like, okay, you know, okay. I, 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 I try to hold off my New Year resolutions until after like the last day of Chinese New Year. <laughs> Get cutting or yourself some slack uh. draw on Friday yeah so like if that's what I really mean you know Wait, so we have got about it's draw? Six, oh you mean six the more days to live in sin the total uh, 12 million okay. oh total okay Singapore pools do y'all know what's the tech now Singapore pools giving hope improving know, lives that is the tagline oh, of Singapore I mean, yeah, yeah, pools I, 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 <laughs> No, but I mean, to be to be fair, I mean, yeah, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna think of something similar, like you know, like we care or like we, I don't know, whatever. No, I don't, don't. I, you better yeah. don't take the PR campaign for Singapore Post. I will hate you for it. But anyway, okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys, thank you, lovely. We'll see all of you uh next week. Yeah, as we continue to cover okay. more in the crypto web tree, you know, uh block blockhead space, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. In uh last call to action, if you want to take a look at some of the different articles that have been covered today, you can head over to blockhead.co. You know, get them to next million page visits, right? Five hundred thousand already. So we're gonna go to the million. See way, you all way. next week. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. Okay. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hey, Coconuts. So, yes, uh, I hope you enjoyed this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead. And uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project. But we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually, you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments. And if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at, the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff, then that is where we're trying to cover, but not from the angle of like, this is good, that is bad, but really trying to see it from like, what is happening? How is it developing? And I hope you find this useful and interesting, right? So if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space, check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week.